Luke's Gospel, um, this is a massive book, all right? And it's going to take us, I have no idea how long. I'm just going to be honest. Probably a year and a half um, plus. And so we've got a lot to do and a lot to cover. If you look at the New Testament, you, you realize, okay, Paul wrote most of the books and he contributed most of the New Testament. But actually, if you, if you break Luke down by like words, and then if you look at how he wrote Luke and Acts, if you break them down in words, like Luke actually contributed most of the New Testament, if you're counting words, all right? And so these, these chapters are even, they're massive. Like there's like 60-some verses in some chapters. So we've got a lot to cover. And so what we've done is we've taken one big idea that it's all about Jesus because what we'll see in this sermon today, that it is all about Jesus. That's what Luke's intention was. We've taken a, a big um, series and we've broken them down in seven mini-series over the course of the next year and a half plus. So each of these little mini-series will talk about a different element of who Jesus is. And so what we're talking about today and what we're launching into today is chapter 1 and 2 of Luke. We're going to cover worship and how Jesus, even before he was born, he was worshipped. Even as a baby, he was worshipped. Even as a, um, as a young adolescent, people saw him and they saw that there was something significant about him. And so what we're covering here is a, is a big idea of worship. And so we want you to see him as one to be worshipped and one to be feared in a godly way and one that you would bow down and, and give your life to. So this morning, we're just going to cover uh, four verses, ironically. And so we're not really, like, we're barely scratching the surface this morning, all right? And so we're doing four verses because I want to give you a big concept of why this book was written. I want you to see why Luke penned this whole work uh, called the Gospel of Luke. So let's just, we're going to do verses 1 through 4 today. And I'm going to tell you a little bit about who Luke is, all right? Um, Luke, what we know about him is there's a, there's a few other places that he's mentioned. And so Luke actually talks, uh, talks about him, himself a lot and what he's done. Paul talks about Luke a lot. And what you see here, and, and I'll just read uh, Colossians, let's just get Colossians 4.14. He refers to Luke, this is the Apostle Paul, as the beloved physician. He greets you, right? So what we know about Luke just from Paul's own writing is that he's a doctor. He's a physician. Uh, what we also know about Paul, or Luke rather, that he, is, uh, he travels with Paul. He goes places with Paul. If you can remember back when we did Philippians a few months ago, um, when Paul plants the church in Philippi, he goes to a, a women's Bible study and he meets uh, a demon-possessed girl and a Philippian jailer and he meets... Um, Lydia. And, and what happens is this guy who's walking alongside of Paul, he's got Silas with him, but he's also got Luke there. Like Luke's the guy that is watching this whole thing go down. He's, he's writing down what's taking place later, what happened, and he's describing, hey, this is how the church in Philippi started. So Paul, in his ministry journey, he had Luke walking alongside of him. And so when you, when you read like books like Acts, you, you see when he says, and and we went to such and such. It's, he's talking about me, as in Luke, Paul, and some other guys went to this place. So this is Luke. He is a travel partner with Paul. He's a physician. And, and, and then he, he writes this great, massive work called Luke. And he also writes the book of Acts. He also writes the book of Acts. And so um, 
When you think about Acts and Luke, you, I want you to see it this way because it's very important. Acts is part two of Luke. They're one complete story. It is the, 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 um, it's, it's like Back to the Future 1, Back to the Future 2, all right? And they're both good, okay? Like, I know sequels, most of the time, they're not so great. But it's got two that are both really good. Luke and Acts, one complete story, story about Jesus. Jesus is a Holy Spirit-filled man. The story about the church, the Spirit then moves to the church, empowers the apostles to do the work of the gospel, plant the church. So this is one uh, complete story. And so what we know about him is he is he loves the Lord with all of his heart, his soul, and his mind. He's a very smart doctor, and he also passionately pursues Christ in such a way that he's following this guy, um, Paul, who's getting beaten for the sake of the gospel, and he's a man who loves the Holy Spirit, loves him. I mean, if you look at Luke's gospel alone and you isolate it from the rest of the gospels, what you'll see is that Luke's gospel has more about the Holy Spirit than any other gospel. So he knows analytically, you know, how, how important facts are and how important doctrine is. But he also knows how important the Holy Spirit is in the mighty work of the Spirit, things that we just can't explain. Right? So this is Luke. What we also know about him is that he is faithful. Second uh, uh, Timothy four six through eleven. It says this. I want you to see what Paul says about Luke. Paul is talking. He he knows it's like the end of his life, and so Paul's going. You know, he, he, famous lines. He's like, I'm already being poured out as a drink offering. My time of departure has come. I fought the good fight. I finished the race. And then he goes on and he lists all these guys who've just ditched him. Right? He goes. Verse verse ten. He's like Demas. He deserted me. He went to Thessalonica. He's like, this other guy, he went to Galatia. And this, my boy Titus, who's been faithful, he's gone. He left me. But then notice verse 11. Look at verse 11 of, of 2 Timothy 4. It says, Luke is alone with me. So what does that tell you? Just a little snippet about Luke. All of these people who've deserted the Apostle Paul in his work in the gospel, they see Paul get beaten almost to death numerous times. All of these guys ditch him. All of these faithful men of God ditch him. And he says, oh, Luke's here. Luke's with me. So Luke is his possibly personal physician. Paul even calls him beloved Luke when he mentions him. That gives you an idea of the writer of this book. If Paul is the guy who's getting beat up and Luke's the physician, I want you to imagine that Luke is probably the guy who helps Paul get better. I mean, can you imagine how many scrapes and, and cuts he, he helped uh, Paul go through the healing process to? Can you imagine the times that Paul was beaten almost nearly to death and he has a personal physician that is faithful and stands beside him and helps him get well so that he can continue to preach the gospel. Luke was also a very teachable guy. I mean, he walked alongside the Apostle Paul and Paul is the one who taught him more and more of the gospel. And so Luke is this, is this really solid gift to the early church. He's a physician, he's a doctor, he also knew high Greek. That's what we know about him. He's a really sharp guy who, who was a great writer. Uh, I know a lot of doctors, when they sign their names, you can't even, like, tell. 
like if, what their name is or even if it's a word or a letter. Like that's not Luke. He's a physician who was a great writer. Um, and, and he was a faithful contender for the gospel. So Paul even calls him um, his beloved. So that's who he is. So why did he write this letter? Look in verse uh, 1, 1 through 3. It says, Inasmuch as we have undertaken to compile a narrative of the things that have been accomplished among us, just as those from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word have delivered them to us. It seemed good to me also, having followed these things closely from time past, to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus. All right, let me just tell you who he's writing this thing to. He's writing this to a guy named Theophilus, um, which means uh, one who is loved by God. One who's loved by God. When people, um, I know like, uh, the Cosby show had Theo Huxtable, like his name is the one loved by God, ironically. I mean, I know you don't think that, but it, he's loved by God, right? So you look at this name and you say, okay, this, this means, some people say, well, that means a lot of people. Um, some people will say, well, that, he's just talking to a group of people. He just calls them Theophilus, those who've been loved by God. I, I don't think that's the case. I think he's actually talking to an individual that is a high Roman official. Um, if you look in like Acts 2, uh, or actually, actually Acts 40, uh, 24-2, he says he talks to a guy named uh, Felix and he calls him most excellent. Even in Acts uh, 26-25, he refers to this guy named Festus as most excellent. So every time he talks to a Roman official, he calls them most excellent. And he does the same thing here with this guy, Theophilus. He says, you are the most excellent. You are the guy who's, yes, you're loved by God. That's, that's your name, but you're most excellent. He is this high Roman um, official. And so he is talking to this guy and he's making sure that he has a complete work of who Christ was. So, um, let's look at the text again. Look at 1 to 2. He's undertaken a complete narrative of the things that have been accomplished among us, just as those who, from the beginning, eyewitnesses and ministers of the word, have delivered them to us. So, we're not exactly sure when this book was written. Um, Some people say it's like 80. Um, I'm, I'm going, you know, probably somewhere between 60 and 90. I'm, I'm opening it up pretty wide here. So somewhere between 60 and 90. So Jesus died, you know, 33, 36. And so you've got 50 plus years of oral reports about Jesus' life. And Paul, or, or Luke rather, is saying, hey, I've read all these things. I've heard all of these things. I've read Mark's gospel. I mean, if you look at just Mark's gospel alone... You take Mark's gospel, 60% of Mark's gospel is quoted almost verbatim in Luke. So Luke is reading Mark, and he's going, oh, oh yeah, he went up to heaven. What a bunch of garbage, right? I'm going to go find out for, for real if this, is, if this is the real deal. Oh, really? Jesus is born of a, of a virgin? Are, are you serious? I'm going to go make sure. Where's my horse? I'm going to go find out if, if this is the real deal. So what Luke does is he hears all of these things that are taking place. And he hears all of the stories that are being mentioned about Jesus. He, he reads Mark's gospel and he goes, I'm going to find out for sure 
so that I can know and give this guy this most high Roman official. We don't know if this guy's a believer or he's not, but he's like, I'm going to make sure that we can get the best information to this guy so that we can know that Jesus is, in fact, who he says he was. So it's like really important for Luke to go and, and interview all these people. So he goes up, he's like interviewing Jesus' mom. Okay, you were 15 and you had a kid and you didn't have sex. How does that work? Right? Seriously? That happened? Okay, yeah, okay. Okay, your uncle? He, oh, he had a, oh, your cousin, he had a dream. Oh, tell me about that. Oh, okay. That's how it went down. Wow. So Jesus, um, he, he goes up and he's just like interviewing people. He's like, so I heard Jesus walked, um, he, he swam across water and he got into a boat. And they're like, no, he walked. Oh, dang. Right? Oh, so this happened on the west, right? No, this happened on the east. Oh. So he's finding out more information. He's trying to even, I'm imagining Luke even trying to challenge people and seeing if these things are really true. He's finding out that they are because these eyewitnesses are saying, yes, really? Jesus feeds 5,000 people with a little kid's Lunchable. That really happened. And he interviews the kid and wants to know how did this go down? What, What took place? And so he's going around and he's interviewing all of these people, these paralyzed people, these, these sick people that, were, that Jesus had healed, and they're walking around now. You were paralyzed. Let me ask people if you were really paralyzed. I want to know, right? So he finds this information out. And so what we see about Luke is even more stunning here. He writes to most excellent Theophilus, and he says this in verse 4, that you may have certainty concerning the things um, that you've been taught. So you have this guy who he knows high Greek. He's well articulate. He's well educated. He's very articulate. He wants to gather the best possible scenario so that this guy can have the best, most complete work of who Jesus is. He wants him to have with know Jesus with certainty and with clarity. So what he does. He compiles this wonderful work about Jesus, the most complete that you could possibly find, the most accurate information that you could possibly find. Then he goes and he writes about the church, the most accurate definitions of what happened, of what took place, of how the church got started. And it's all about what the Spirit of God has done through Jesus and the life of the church for this one guy named Theophilus. He does all of this research. He spends all of this money. He spends all of this time. It's evident that he spent years gathering this data so that one guy can know who Christ is with certainty and with clarity. And I read that and I go, well, that's not what I would do. I would just be like, pray this prayer. I mean, come on. You know, how hard is it? Right? How hard is it? Read reason for God, you know. Go, go get uh, a Tim Keller book and you'll be fine. You'll figure it out, right? But he's like, no, I'm going to get on my horse. I'm going to interview people. I'm going to find out who this Jesus is. I'm going to have the best possible work for this one guy. So what you have, um, we tend to focus on, I think what we do in, in the Christian faith is you end up falling on one of these sides, you end up focusing on a couple of main things that happen in Scripture. Like for me, like I, I tend to focus on heavily on the cross. Um, I, I love 
what happened on the cross. I love what happened at when Jesus died in our place. I love atonement and substitution, all those great things that we talk about at integrity. I love the resurrection that Christ not only died, but he rose again, conquering the, uh, the, the penalty for Satan, sin, and death. I love that. All those things that he talked about. So we, we talk about the cross a lot here at Integrity. And, and so what you see in that is there's a, there's a vein of people always talk, they want to focus on cross, resurrection, and that's it. Like that's Jesus, that's the gospel, that's what he did. Then there's another side that just say, well, we don't really want to focus on that. That's really offensive. There's blood involved. There's a father and he's uh, sending his son to death and that's child abuse. And we don't want to talk about that. Let's just focus on Jesus and his life and his teaching and his resurrection or his, um, his, his parables and his miracles and the things that he did and how he responded to situations and how he, how he handled the temple and when he got angry. And then they, they want to focus on that. And they, those are kind of clarified as red letter Christians. Let's just look at the red letters of Jesus and we're going to be fine. We're going to, we're going to see him as he's going to be sort of this, um, this guru guy who's going to teach us how to live, and that's what we'll know. That's the gospel. And so one side is going, this is the gospel, and the other side is going, this is the gospel. This is Jesus' life. Others are like, Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. Let me just show you that both are the gospel because Jesus is the gospel. And so we have to have a complete story of Jesus in order to effectively know even the gospel. Because not just his death, burial, resurrection. It's his life as well. And it's not just his life, but it's his death, burial, resurrection. It's all one complete story that we have to know and hold dear to our heart. If you really believe in the cross, you really believe in the resurrection, you've got to believe in what he taught. You've got to believe that he was born of a virgin. That comes from his life. You've got to believe that he lived a perfect, sinless life, obedient to the Father his entire life, and never sinned. You've got to see his life to see that and know that. Because if he didn't live a perfect life and he went to the cross, and the cross is foolish. The cross did nothing. And so then you can't look at just his life and isolate it from the cross. Because if he, if he was just a good guy who died and didn't resurrect, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. And so all of these things are Jesus' life. And so what Luke does is he wants to comprise this work so that this guy, Theophilus, this possible skeptic, Theophilus, can see this beautiful, wonderful Jesus who does live a perfect, sinless life, who was born of a virgin, who did die on the cross, who did resurrect from the grave, who did ascend to heaven. And before that, he promised the Holy Spirit and the Spirit came and he, he did do work among the apostles. And then the church was birthed from that. So it's very, very essential. And it absolutely matters. The truth about Christ absolutely matters. And so what I love about Luke, he's not this blind faith guy. And I think what's happened in our culture is we have become all about blind faith. For me, personally, growing up in the South, I think what's happened is we have tried to encourage people to follow Jesus blindly. We make a service to, at the end of the service, the pastor uses, you know, great illustrations about when people leave, they get in the car and they die. 
right? You know, when somebody came into a room like this and they shot all the Christians, and if they were to shoot you, where would you go, right? And we do skits and dramas that literally are to scare literally the hell out of people, right? We hear the, the crazy parts of hell and we say, we, we compare it, we put it on a scale. We say, do you want to be in heaven with Superman and streets of gold and ice cream? Or do you want to burn in hell with a really bad person called Satan forever? Well, any smart person would say, I think I'm going to go with Superman and ice cream, all right? And if we put it on that scale and we say, this is the gospel, don't use your head, don't think about who Jesus is, don't think about if he was actually born of a virgin, don't think about if he was really who he says he was, don't think about the cross, just make this decision and pray and just say Jesus a few times in the prayer and then you're good, you'll be in heaven. And so what we've done is we've created this, this idea of, it's easy, just do it, just make the decision. And what Luke doesn't do he doesn't do that. He doesn't minimize Christ in his presentation of the gospel. He makes Christ very big for Theophilus. He's like, no, Jesus did all of these things. Are you sure you want to believe this guy? I mean, this is a guy who fed 5,000 people. This is a guy who walked on water. This is a guy who was born of a virgin. He lived a perfect, sinless life. He never had a lustful thought. He never had a greedy thought. He never had a selfish thought. And then he went to the cross willingly. He died a bloody, horrific death. And he actually, he rose again on the third day. And you're going, this is the guy that you should believe in. That's what Luke's saying. It's not easy believism that he's promoting. It's, he's saying, this is who Jesus is. So the last thing that I want us to do when we approach this wonderful, great book is to approach it flippantly like, this is easy. I've got it. I figured it out. I know Jesus. I know who he is. Let's approach it like Luke. Skeptical. Is this really who he is? Is this really who I believe in? Is this really who I trust and I love and I pour my life into? I think we've got to think about that, guys. We've got to approach it like this, like saying, you really did that, God? And then what we'll see, this thing is all about Jesus. What we'll see is that we want to love him more. If you can walk across water, what does that say about how much you're in control over the world and over nature? If you can live a perfect sinless life and you say that you want me to be holy, what does that say about my own spiritual condition how much I need you. And that's what I want to see happen. I don't want to see us just approach this book lazy like, well, we're just approaching this other, just any other book. This is just, this is what it is. He's like, no, this book is all about Jesus. He says, Luke says, here's Jesus's life. This is what Jesus's followers look like. This is what Jesus's suffering looks like. This is who his haters were. This is what his death was. This is what his burial, this is what his resurrection was. This is what his church looks like. And he impacts this thing big for us because he wants you to see Jesus as big. So my goal in this whole series is this. I want you to see Jesus as big. 
not as the Jesus that we've made up in our minds. I think all of us have ideas about Jesus that we've made up. Say, well, Jesus is like this because I've experienced this, or I know this, I feel this way. But what Luke does, he compiles this whole thing. This is who Jesus is. Do you trust him? Do you know him? So my question, honestly, is that question. Do you really know the Jesus of the Bible, or is it the Jesus that you've made up in your mind? Because the one that made you made up in your mind doesn't matter. I think it's the one that Luke has compiled all this information to show us this is who he is. Do you trust him? If you're a believer here, which I think a lot of people, obviously, we've come and gathered and we've worshipped. If you're a believer here this morning, that you wouldn't approach this with a lazy spirit, that you would come, and as Luke says, that you would have certainty concerning the things that you have been taught. So what this book should do for us is it should bring about certainty that this is a big Christ that we worship. So what I ask you to do is that you would make a commitment with me and you would diligently read through this book and allow God speak to your heart in this that would bring about certainty in your faith and would encourage you as a believer in Christ. That would show you this is how big Christ is. So we need, we need to pray. We need to ask God to help us through this wonderful book. Um, I, I'm willing to take a risk here and go a year and a half through this great book. And I think I'm asking you to do the same with me. Let's work through this book together. Let's allow, let's allow God to show us how big Jesus is and it's all about him. All right, let's pray. Jesus, thank you for this time that you've given us. Lord, I, I'm so grateful.